Ah yes, the unmistakable sound of Maskanda, Zulu traditional pop from South Africa. That's the band Shabalala Rhythm with a vintage electric Maskanda hit. Hello, Lars Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Today, we go to Durban, South Africa, the urban center of KwaZulu-Natal, to take the pulse of Zulu roots music in the age of South African house, Afrobeats, and hip-hop. We have some terrific guides to the music with us today, starting with this gentleman. My name is Sazil Lamini. I am lecturing at the University of KwaZulu-Natal in Teben, South Africa. Sazi says that Maskanda, our main focus today, only became a recognized genre in the late 20th century. Its name comes from the bad old days of apartheid. Maskandi now is recognized as a style and a genre of music, but the term itself comes from a, an Afrikaans word, a musicant, which is musician. And before it crystallized into describing Zulu musicians, it meant anyone who played an instrument. For example, in, in Johannesburg, musicians who walked the streets at night and got picked up by police had to prove that they were musicians. And this was often by playing on their instruments, you know, saxophones, you know, and trumpets, before they could get their stamp on the ID to say, hey, it's a musician, can go your way, you know, for the night, you know. But there was a push to define black South Africans according to their ethnicity. There was ethnic radio and Maskandi came to describe Zulu traditional music played on instruments. In this program, you'll hear the music referred to both as Maskanda and Maskandi. Either one works. As Sazi says, the name came about in the early 80s when Zulu folk music played on guitar and concertina emerged as commercial pop. With production, the style got orchestrated in emulation of Mkashio, a style of Mpaklanga that followed the jazz era, you know, at the turn of the 60s. So because Mkrashio was kind of hot when the likes of Kuzu Shugela, that's the earliest guitarist, were discovered, the producers wanted to emulate the power and the popularity of Mkrashio. So they gave basses, drums, backing vocals, and everything now we know ensemble Maskanda to be. All right, let's hear a Mbakanga song from back in the day. Here is Irene Mawela from a new compilation of 1980s tracks from SABC, the South African Broadcasting Corporation. Oh, 
yes, Irene Mawela with the Mbakanga sound that rocked the South African townships from the 1960s through the 80s. But let's go back. From the moment Europeans arrived in South Africa, Zulu musicians began adapting Western instruments, especially the more portable ones, guitars, concertinas, harmonicas, and fiddles. Sazi mentioned the first recorded Maskanda guitarist singer, Puzu Shukela. His name was John Pengu, nicknamed Puzu Shukela. He was from Mankanja in Zululand, but was working in Johannesburg. Ah yes, John Bengu, a.k.a. Puzushukela, which means sugar drinker. Well, KwaZulu-Natal is a sugar land. This is the earliest recorded form of Maskanda, and Sazi says it is the one least influenced by Western harmony. It is not organized in terms of one, four, five. There's no kind of hierarchy, you know. Traditional harmonies often are based on alternating fundamental roots, maybe just a second apart or a minor third apart, you know. But of course, how it's structured between leading voices and chorus, it's call and response, responsorial, yeah, and mostly harmonized in fourths. It's got its own complexity, but it's very distinctive in not having those traits of Western-style popular music, except for its pronounced influence from the mission culture. Mission culture, says he refers to, brought rich choral harmonies, even in traditional maskanda. But as time went by, a more westernized form emerged, and it took its name from a river that divides Zululand, Shiameni. Early colonial uh, structuring of society divided society. Those who became uh, workers in farms, some didn't want to be identified as tradition. So they changed even dances, you know, their way of singing. And Shiamen is one of the contemporary styles. You can hear that familiar Western pop structure in this recent Maskanda track by Unjik Chen. <laughs> Ta fe, ni de kuna 
As we'll hear in this program, commercial maskanda is going strong in the 21st century, but it mostly appeals to Zulu listeners. Harder to find are the traditional players who make music for cultural, not professional reasons. There's a lot of maskandi who are unrecorded, playing the shade, who still play in the old way. We're talking more about the national recorded broadcast phenomenon. In commercial terms, as a trending sound, it's disappeared because they're not recognized or appreciated. This morning, someone was phoning me down from South Coast and said, hey, Lamin, there's a young man here who's about to put away his guitar, you know, and he's a very good Muscandi player. What can you do, you know, because he was expecting me to have some ways of promoting him, you know, show him what to do with this thing. I suppose culture as it is has been misled into thinking that if you play good, you deserve to be rich. Whereas, like I say, it's something maybe to play with your family around a fire or when you're going to see your friends. In an earlier program, we met the late Maskanda guitarist Shiyanin Kobo. important to me in his appreciation and preservation of some of Maskanda's original forms and sensibilities. He was among the earliest contestants in a competition that was looking to revive Maskandi. It was sponsored by a brewer, a Sogam brewer. But the competition attracted a lot of grassroots participation, like solo Maskandi, you know. Shiani comes from that wave, and he won. He was supposed to go and record ahead of Puse Chemist, but he fell ill and had to spend time in hospital, by which time I think there had already been two rounds of competition that put on the pedestal, on the limelight, Puse Chemist and Vazomiam. So he remained unproduced and unrecorded. That is until 2003, when British producer Ben Mendelssohn showed up to record Shiani in an unusual acoustic session. The album set aside the heavy drums and bass of commercial Maskanda and focused on the guitar and vocal. 
Now, let's meet a major player in the development of Zulu pop music. We're talking Maskanda, but also Isakatamiya, the a cappella choral style popularized by Lady Smith Black Mambazo. My name is Welcome Zimande, commonly known as Bozoza. I am the guy that started working for the SABC in 1978 from teaching. I'm a teacher by profession. When I started, I was just like everybody else who was interested in the international kind of music. I felt it was the thing that was going to be good for us as the youth. But when I came to the SABC, Ukozi FM, during that time it was Radio Zulu, my mind changed and I said, but this is Zulu station and we're not playing Zulu music. And I said, before I blame myself or blame anybody, let me take an initiative. I started focusing on Maskandi and uh, Skatamiya. They gave me Skatamiya, actually. They felt it was the music that was good for my voice. Uh, I promoted Black Mabazo extensively. I felt it was the right thing to do, and even today, think it's the right thing that I've done. <laughs> When I started, Maskandi was not popular. In fact, I was derided by my colleagues at the radio station. Those are still alive, they still say it. Hey, we were deriding you when you were playing this thing, but we didn't know that it was going to be this big. A key moment came when a young producer named West Nkosi entered the scene. Long-time Afropop listeners might recall that the late West Nkosi was a guest on our very first broadcast back in 1988. This man is a giant in the story of South African pop. Was good, yes. He was damn good. He was a very good producer. I remember when we started uh, Puse Chemist in Oketani. These guys came to me and they said, we are struggling. What can we do? And I connected them with Wes He is the one that was very good in producing those guys. 
Wes and Cozy went on to produce 19 albums for Puse Kemisi. And by the way, when we met Puse Kemisi a few years back, our translator told us how he got that name. Then the name was denied because he was working and then he was not allowed to drink at work. So he used to hide his beer in the chemist at the pharmacy. So every time he said, I'm going to the chemist, and then he drinks and come back. So it means the one who drinks at the chemist, because they find out that he was hiding something there. Yeah. So that's where the name came from, the chemist. <laughs> the one who drinks at the pharmacy. Man, I had some co-workers like that, but let's not talk about that. Weston Kosi also produced and championed the choral vocal style, Welcome Mansioned, Isakatamiya. Katamiya. <laughs> This rhythm and people fell in love with it overseas. They couldn't even get the meaning of what was said there, but they fell in love with it. And they told me, Mumbazo, you are going to go overseas one day. And Joseph Shaurala laughed at me. And he said, no, who are we to go overseas? <laughs> well, of course, it wasn't long before Paul Simon arrived in Johannesburg to start work on the Graceland album. Paul Simon showed up after two years. I still remember they were struggling. They were going to Germany. They were practicing to sing in German over there. And I even said that, well, it's not very important for the language. It's the rhythm that is important. Well, 16 Grammy nominations and many awards and honors later, not to mention millions of albums sold, Lady Smith's place in history is assured. Even in the early 1980s, Lady Smith was very successful in South Africa, but the dominant style was still Bakanga. Ah, yes, the immortal Mahlatini and the Mahotela Queens in a mid-1980s production by West Nkosi. West began producing Maskanda artists using the same big studio sound of electronic drums and driving bass lines. A landmark album was Imbizo, West Nkosi's first for Puseke Misi and his then-partner Ketani.
asks Sazid Lamini, what made Pusekemisi so special? Production. Well, in his own energy, very energetic, and also coming into a space where Maskandi was transiting from being an ethnic marker. For a good decade, Maskandi was just an ethnic music played on one station, the Zulu station. But then, towards the 80s, the resistance movement, especially the worker movement, started engaging traditions like Maskanda. I remember Puse Kemis' earliest outdoor concerts were for Kosadi Congress of South African Trade Unions. When we met Puse Kemis in New York, he told us about his breakthrough 1990 song, Mbizo. The Mbizo is about the traditional leaders who were calling people and asking for monies before the ANC was unbranded. So he was complaining about that, that every time they are being called to pay money and then they don't know what that money is going to. That's what made the song successful. And the song made him to be dubbed the people's voice because his songs are about the plight of the people in the rural areas, how they struggle. He's singing most of the times about those things. But in Maskanda's early days, Welcome says even the Zulu public was a little hesitant. Most of the people, even our people in the rural areas, mm, they didn't like it. It's the stigma that is the people of being uneducated. And, and I said, okay, I must have a strategy. I said, this is the year of Maskandi. I know that if you say this is the year of something, people start listening. They started listening and they started watching. And I started my strategy of saying to the people who are Maskandi singers, the artists, raise the bar. Try and come up with the things that are going to be interesting to the people that are going to be following you, your fans. And I come to the fans as well. I presented to the fans. Try and love your thing. Look, the, the best guitar that this guy is coming up with here. Then we started with the gold disc. I remember in 1982, in August, we had two artists that got the gold disc for the first time. I'm Catherine Olson. I'm a lecturer at UKZN. I did my doctorate looking at Muskanda music and its relationship to politics and social change during the late 1990s into 2008. Catherine Olson recently published a fascinating book called Music and Social Change in South Africa, Muskanda Past and Present. She says that within Zulu society, Isakatamiya and Maskanda were tied to a kind of class distinction. Isakatamiya was for Amakolwa, which are people who had missionary education. And Maskanda was for the bottom end laborer. And there's still that kind of stigma. If you're a Maskanda musician, you're from back end of nowhere. Like, really, what do you know? <laughs> like her colleague Sazin Lamini, Catherine was originally drawn to folkloric Maskanda artists who were once plentiful in KwaZulu-Natal. Unfortunately, these days, they are few and far between. It's not people who you might be able to identify through studios, through records or whatever. There are musicians who are playing 
Moscando music, because that's what they do in their spare time. But certainly in my encounters with township life, in my everyday experience, I don't come across Moscando musicians like you used to. Certainly when I was growing up, and even in my early years of studying, you would see street musicians everywhere. Very often people would be walking around and they have their guitar strapped to their back. You don't see that. No. It's school music that's the thing. It's not Maskanda. If I look at my students and I talk to them all the time, all those youngsters who come to Varsity to study music, when I say to them, what about Maskanda? No, that's old people's music. Speaking of Nkom music, the top trend in South African youth music these days, here is a new track from Dvadlam Shunkisi. full story of pop music from our recent program on the subject just go to afropop.org and search on com that's g-q-o-m coming up Mascanda Wars Ladies Mascanda and more Roots Pop from South Africa visit afropop.org to read more from the interviews sampled on this program and so, so, so much more. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Welcome Nzimande was now one of Maskanda's biggest promoters. He used his position on Radio Zulu to build a loyal following for artists like Puse Kemisi and Mfazo Nyama. In 1989, we gave a chance to the ladies. I said to the ladies, the boys are singing about their guys. A guy that has got a small voice would say, Oh, my love. A boy is saying my boyfriend. And I said, it must be a lady that says that. And now you must take your place as ladies. Sing Maskandi. They are Maskandi musicians now, like his Ganezoma, Imitante, and many others that have come on board.
love it, Imitante, a female Masconda group. Catherine Olsen has a bit of a different take on this phenomenon. She cites that other female group, Welcome Mentioned, is in Gane Zoma. group is called Izingani Zorma. It's a female group. All the music is written by men. They are singers. They're brought in, they perform the music, and it's now said to be female Namaskanda. Well, I think that's a bit of a joke, because they're just doing as you do in a patriarchal society, doing what the men tell you to do. When I tried to interview them a long time ago, I couldn't interview them without an intermediary from the studio. And they weren't allowed to answer my questions directly. I had to speak through him. And very soon my interpreter said that what I was asking wasn't being asked. So I just lost interest in the whole process. But they don't have a voice, those women. Of course, there are many powerful and successful women in South African pop, just not so much in the world of Maskanda. Maskanda exists at the crossroads of tradition and modernity, and one thing it retains from the past is intense competition and rivalry among artists. In 1997, Welcome felt these rivalries were getting out of hand. So he decided to assemble a power trio of top Maskanda stars in a show of unity. I've brought in Ashadim Shope, Fazom Yama, and Puza Kemis. Stuck. Because they were doing different genres. I brought them together because I felt they are coming on the right way as I was pushing them. Especially because some of them were competing in a way that I didn't like. The super trio Welcome Assembled recorded a landmark Maskanda album. The leaders of the world. But it was popularized by the top song of theirs, which was Stata Beach. Pull together. When the people are working in the mines, they say, Stata Beach, Stata Beach. They pull together. Let me sway to love me sway to where my 
collaborating on a 1997 hit, calling on people to pull together at a time when there were deep divisions in the Mascanda world. Welcome, Simande. I was trying to say, if the people are quarreling, come together and talk, first of all, and then start singing together. Come together, because you see, if you are fighting and they are followers, they are fans, they start saying, we're going to kill that one. You are quarreling. And news were coming to me that they want to kill Puse Kemisi because he's quarreling with Mfazomiyama or something of that nature. So the best thing is to make those people come together and sing. I brought them into the SABC when I was still the station manager. I felt, no, the people are killing one another in the stadium. And I said, stop this. Otherwise, I stop playing you here in this station. And I stopped them. They came back and they apologized. And they say, we are sorry. We can see the value of the station. What we have started is not helping us. But the time when I left the SABC, they start coming back and doing that again. They say the strategy works that way. The fans side with a team. They side with the party. So they are forming the parties and fans that are going to buy their music. Especially when it comes to festivals. They tell their fans on Facebook and the social network, when they are going to have those festivals, they really talk and they come together in numbers and they make money. But I still criticize it up to this day. As we said, there are a few Maskanda acts that still command big audiences in South Africa. So far, we've heard from Yashi Elim Shlope, Puse Kemisi, and Mfazo Nyama. And the other artist that became very popular in this country, still very popular too, is Shui Nomdekala, a Maskandi music. You see, first, before they sang Maskandi, they were singing this a uh, cappella music, Statamia, like uh, Ladies Me Black Mambazo. And I was saying to them, guys, why now changing? And they say, it works for us. And I say, have you left Skatamia? They said, no, we have not left it. We still do it. I said, okay, fine. But the thing that I'm impressed about is the sales. The sales, which are close to a million. Gafa, that's the one that killed the nation. It really killed Gafa, AIDS. And it really sank into the minds of the people, the way the AIDS was killing the people. In this country, there's no song that reached that level. 
And I talk to the guys that are really thinking they are selling. There's no song, even in pop and, and everything. Brenda Fuzzy never reached that. Never. Well, we better hear it. Here is Shui Nontekala with their 2004 hit, Ngafa. with the song that puts them on the map in 2004. Man, this group has cut its own path to stardom. They don't follow the rules of Mascanda. For instance, in Mascanda songs, there's always a point where the singer speaks. These guys, by the way, they sing and they also talk. I am so-and-so who comes from wherever. My king is so-and-so and all those things. They were nearly disqualified at the SABC some time back because uh, the powers that be felt they are promoting themselves. They are advertising themselves, they should pay. And I came in and intervened. I said, I'm happy that you have called me because you would have done the wrong thing. These guys are doing it this way. It is natural for them in their tradition and to talk about their indunas, their kings and their chiefs, their mountains and their homes and all those. If you are going to stop them doing that, you are going to be killing the creativity that they have. And they really listened to me and they let it go. And now they're doing it. I remember one group, uh, Stimela came up and they also did that. They sang and they called their mountains and all these things. And then they started saying these powers that be, no, but the, this is not Mascandi. The, these are merely really promoting. <laughs> they're advertising. Then, then they disqualified them and they did not continue. Why boom, my dear? Why boom, my 
Oh, that's current Maskanda star Kuzani letting us know exactly who he is and where he's coming from. Catherine Olson says that Shui Nomtekala has reached a more mainstream audience precisely because they don't follow Maskanda's conventions. For starters, Shui is a duet. It's quite unusual to have a duet, whereas it's usually a lead singer and, and then backing singers. They've got the duet, and they both sing and play. And their singing, their harmonies, are directly related to Estatamia. So it has this, a kind of sweet sound that you associate with that, but with the guitar, which is more like Western folk music. It doesn't sound like Muscanda to me. They don't do Isibongo, which is where you say where you come from and all that, which was really like a stamp that distinguished Muscanda from Mbakanga, that Isibongo section. Um, the introductory guitar section where they really set the stage with the guitar and they drawing me in, here I am, this is your location now and I'll move from there. None of it's gone. It's not seen as necessary because the format is the format of other types of commercially viable songs that they see and they imitate. Why do that? I don't need to do that. Love that. With Weba Bulali. I also like that title. Catherine and Welcome both speak very highly of another veteran Mascondi artist still on the scene. We heard him earlier as part of Welcome's 1997 Super Trio. I'll let Catherine handle the introduction here. He's originally from KwaZulu-Natal, sort of Greytown area. And he actually didn't start off as a Mascondi artist. He started off doing things like Mkanga type of Soul Brothers type thing, and he moved from there into Maskanda. 
Ihash takes the Easy Bongo way of delivering your vocals, rapidly spoken words, but makes it into a kind of virtuosic rap. So it's like capitalizing on that ideal of rap music, but muscanderizing it by having it spoken so fast and having the guitars in the background. He's got big sections like that, and the crowds go wild for it. I go wild for it. I think it's amazing. Tashi lives in Johannesburg, not Durban, and he appeals to a more elite audience. He wears designer outfits and makes superb videos, and he's not afraid to take on political subjects. You know, he'll have songs like during election times where he's talking about political parties and what people are doing, and or he'll be talking about relationships or AIDS or can't get a job. The economy's over, that sort of thing. So he's using that framework to punch out very topical issues. Sazin Lamini says this is not typical in Maskanda. Maskandi has never been overtly political in its texts. More egalitarian popular, talking about plight of men, you know, and the position of women, not protesting them, but actually just pleading for things to stay as they are. Man is, is a big man and better if he has more wives than one. And also, I, I don't think it helped that it became nurtured within an institution of radio that sought to assert singularity of ethnicity. A lot of masculine practice and expression seems not to grasp what the rest of humanity is about. Misogynistic in their approaches and often assert views that are kind of backward. Everyone we spoke with in Durban agrees that the biggest factor curtailing mainstream appeal for Maskanda is these violent clashes among artists and their fans. There have been artists set one against the other. They seem to have this kind of 
duel. So they have one and then his competition. And then in their songs, they badmouth the other person and then they get a response and it builds this anxiety and this tension. Nobody has been able to stop this violence, but Catherine says if anyone could, it might be welcome Zimande. You know, he claims that he's going to speak to these musicians and get them to stop their violence and whatever. I think he might actually be able to do something. Certainly no one else would. He has that credibility and, and people really do look up to him. And I think he's got a kind heart. The thing is, things have changed so that whereas you would look up to the chief, now you might look up to the chief, but you fear the witch doctor, the Inyanga, and you fear the gang warlords, the people who've got the power and the money to annihilate you. Meanwhile, the music goes on with all its exuberance, virtuosity, and bravado. Let's hear one more Masconda. This one from a veteran, master of regional Zulu guitar styles, Becky Senzo Selle, who goes by the stage name Vukazitate. Mascanda artist, Vukazitate. Well, before we leave, let's meet another Zulu guitarist singer from the Durban area. Born in 1947, Madala Kunene does not play Mascanda as such. His roots go back to the old Marabi jazz of the early 20th century townships. And he's self-taught all the way. Me, I've never been doing that school things. I learned everything in the street. 
you know, I'm trying to talk English in the street. You know, no teacher was teaching me to put a white shirt and a tie, no. <laughs> Madala developed his own way of tuning and playing the guitar, and he sings about serious subjects. When we met in New York a few years back, he reminisced a little sadly about the old days in his township, Katomeno. Those days, it was a unity. In Ketomeno, we just a unity. You can't call other one say, this one is a Tosa, this one is a Sutu. No, we just a unity. We brothers, we sisters. We never fight together in Ketomeno. Never. Now, no more unit because we got African National Congress. There was nothing for another party. Everyone, you want money. Everyone, you want to be a leader. You know, now you must fight. If you want to be a leader, you must fight. We leave you with a song from Happier Days in Madala's life. Sani Bonani, free at last. Madala Kunene wrapping up our tour of Zulu roots music in Durban, South Africa. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from Womex, the showcase, seminar, and trade fair for world and roots music, October 19th to the 23rd in Lisbon, Portugal. More info at womex.com. Thanks to our guests, Sazin Dlamini, Welcome Zimande, and Catherine Olson. Also to Louise Menges and Robert Trunz for their help with this program. And don't forget to visit afropop.org to read excerpts from our interviews and hear more great South African roots music. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn. 
by Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Greg Hartman. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabei Siolwe. And I'm Georges Collinet.